I think there's one of Zion. I've been told this, but I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But the in-game thing, it's like, what's your favorite? What are your favorite road trips? He says Houston and Atlanta. Okay. So, so he'd be happy. Right, so he'd be happy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. Got me and Ashan here today. It's been some time since we potted. Uh, I was out traveling, so we couldn't really talk about the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship. But the NBA never sleeps. They, edit, they won the championship and immediately were into the offseason. The rumors have started, and it's been an active offseason already. So we're going to hit on some topics today. But Nishan, how's it going, dude? Hey, man. Congratulations to the Nuggets. Um, great season. The playoffs were fun, interesting. Uh, the finals, I guess, uh, wasn't as competitive as all the other rounds. But hats off to the Heat, who... Made it a lot further than most people thought, especially when they were down 10 points to Chicago. Yeah, I mean, that, that screen grab of the where the Heat are down three with three minutes left in that second playing game and then to an NBA Finals run as an eight seed. Uh, just incredible from them. So yesterday, Father's Day, we think it's just going to be a quiet day before draft week and then a blockbuster. We hear we heard rumors about this last week. We heard that the Wizards were working with Bradley Beal and his agent to find a trade destination. The Wizards under new leadership now with Michael Winger and Travis Schlank and Will Dawkins. <laughs> you know, immediately they come in and <laughs> they they just said, "Okay, we got to trade trade the franchise player." It seemed like the owner gave them permission to do so, and we have this trade yesterday go down, and Bradley Beal to the Phoenix Suns. In return for Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, second round picks. It looks like about five to six second round picks. The f- we don't have the full details of the trade yet. And then pick swaps as well. And uh, I think in addition to Bradley Beal, there's going to be some players going back. Probably minimum players to match the salary requirements. So I think Jordan Goodwin was one of them. And probably one other player. But... You and I were texting about this yesterday, so I'm going to let you have the floor. Let's talk about the Phoenix side of this first. How do you think the Suns made out here? So, you know, it's a it's an interesting conundrum. As a team, you would think that when something didn't work in the playoffs and you lost 4-2 to to the eventual champions because you showed that you had no depth, you wouldn't really think the team would double down on that. Now, of course, <laughs> of course, Chris Paul was out, but there's something to be said about having healthy players and healthy wing players around your uh, your superstars. Who, let's be honest, like Booker and KD aren't like the the quintessential healthy players, you know. And if Miami proved anything, it's that. They are very unique in being able to find undrafted talent. I mean, I don't think any other team can do that. So it's not like I think the Suns are going to go out there and start finding a lot of talent. So let's let's talk about Bradley Beal first. I mean, what a what a what a Father's Day present for the Wizards CEO Bartlestein from his son <laughs> Bartlestein. Uh, you know, no collusion there. I'm not saying that there's any collusion, but of course. Um, if your father can be uh, executive of the year for 
uh, you getting your eight player to be very happy in a different place, that's that's great. So the no trade clause on the Suns part made it so that Bradley Beal could dictate where he could go. Now this is great for the Suns because where he could meant- go and for what, like and he for could what? basically pick the trade package. Exactly, exactly, and and that's that was great for the Suns, right? Because they ordinarily wouldn't be in the market for someone like Bradley Beal, who's a who's a talented player, um, and they were able to get him for essentially nothing, right? I mean, Chris Paul, they were about to waive this guy like four, three weeks ago. They were just saying that they're going to waive this guy. Landry Shamet, you know, is a is a good player, but I mean, you know, he's maybe a seventh player off the bench i mean seventh player on the team eighth player on the team something like that a little bit of spark shooting i mean he's a nice player and a bunch of second round picks i mean you would think that the suns would not even be in the conversation given that they had blown all of their first rounders to get kd and they were ineligible for trading any additional first rounders which is why all they could do is do pick swaps um and so my personal opinion is the suns got the guy that they wanted i don't think it was the right direction Personally, I don't even think Bradley Beal makes the team that much better because he's also another injury-ridden player, just like Chris Paul was. Obviously, a little bit younger and um, probably a little bit more dynamic at this at this stage. But let's take a look at Bradley Beal's, you know, history and contract. This is a guy that is, you know, it's super max. He's keeping his no no trade clause, so that means that if the Suns want to move off of him to get assets, they pretty much are going to get. A shitty package like they had to give the Wizards. He gets almost $47 million this year, $50 million next year, 53, and then a player option, which, you know, that sucks because, like, by the time he's 33, it's going to be a player option. It's $57 million. So between Booker and Beal's. And spoiler, current, he'll probably pick that up. <laughs> yeah, of course. And between Booker and, and, and Beal, you're like already pushing most of your cap money. Now let's take a look at the cap sheet of Phoenix. So next year, Phoenix owes Booker $36 million, who by the end of his contract, holy shit, I didn't even know this, was going to get $61 million. Jeez. Yeah, he, he signed a Supermax last year. Him and Carl uh, Anthony Towns signed that same contract last year. Oh my god. So, alright, well, let's just focus on next year because this is going to be a debacle <laughs> for years to come. But he uh, Booker gets $36. He, uh, we just said that Beal gets... Um, what was it like 46 as well and then kd gets 47 so that already pretty much destroys how much cap space you have you add on top of that deandre ayton who who's owed 32 million dollars and then they only have a few other guys that are possible players that could stay on the team you have campaign who's six thousand five hundred dollars and ish wainwright for two million dollars and the rest of their team besides whoever they get from the wizards is going to have to be minimums and what I think that this is, is a gross, gross un, uh, lack of understanding of where the NBA is going. Had this been five years ago, I think this was this would have been amazing because obviously Ishbia got this team, wants to win, is willing to pay money. But although not finalized, the penalties for exceeding the second apron, which is $17.5 million, $17 million over the luxury tax, is not only the luxury tax penalties and... Eventually, in a couple of years, Phoenix is going to be a repeat offender unless they get rid of KD because I don't think they're going to get rid of Booker and they can't get rid of Beal, really. And so they won't have any mid-level exceptions. There's going to be a ban including cash as part of deals. 
there's going to be an inability to aggregate salaries. Um, so they basically can't do that deal that they just did where they combine Paul and Shaman's salaries. Yep. They're, they're going to be enabled, unable to accept more salary, which is also kind of what they did because they're giving up yeah, they, $40 they million dollars in salary. Well. Exactly. So they won't be able to do that. And then uh, eventually, if they do this a uh, couple years in a row, they're going to they're going to not be able to trade their first round draft pick seven years in the future or get players in the buyout market. And, you know, the, the lo and behold, which I don't think they care about because they don't own any of their own first round draft picks, is then eventually their pick becomes the last pick of the first round. And so ultimately, I think that, you know, does Beal make them marginally better and can they win this year? Well, now there's a lot of luck up to it because they got to stay healthy. We've seen this with the Nets in recent years, what happens when all of your attention is on three players. They're going to have to find some gems in the weeds. I think this is a terrible trade. I think that it's, <laughs> I think as a front, I think as a, as a front office and as maybe an owner, they wanted to win so bad and get like such superstar talent in there that they didn't realize that basketball is a team sport. And, you know, team requires more than three or four people. And let's be honest, Aiden is already like not on the team, mentally speaking. Yeah, unless Vogel can, uh, you know, as he said in his press conference, he wants to bring back rehab Aiden, new coach, maybe he can get to him. But I just don't see how Aiden can be on this team. They have no depth. Their only tradable piece is Aiden. But it sounds like the market's not too hot for him. So they can't even trade him right now and get a couple of people, trade him into maybe lesser players, but two or three players so that they have some depth. They can't even do that right now. I think Aiton's probably going to be on the team into the season, and they just have to hope he, Vogel helps recover some of his value, and then they could trade him. But I think you hit on this. Beal, that's, <laughs> it was just criminal, that contract last year. And I think we, we talked about it. The fact that he got a five-year deal so he got all the years he got a max money and then he got a player option and the no trade clause they basically i mean props to his agent mark borrowstein there's nothing that he didn't get in that deal and that's the type of deal that gets agents hired and the front office executive or gm who gives the deal fired and that's what happened to to tommy shepherd they had no control with how much they wanted to get it in this trade and it sounds like Beal turned down offers from other teams, including Miami and Sacramento. Uh, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, I'm sure they ran great recruiting pitches. And Beal picked Phoenix. I was reading that his wife and her family are from L.A., so I'm sure Phoenix was more attractive in that it's closer to the West Coast over Miami. And that played a role because Beal... Sounded like he was really entrenched in Washington. He loved Washington from what everything that we heard, and he didn't really want to get traded. And that's why over these past years, it was always like, no, I think Beal's just gonna stay in Washington. He loves it there. Now they got these guys. They got Booker, Beal, Durant, Aiton, and probably a bunch of minimum guys. But it just sounds. I, I mean, I, I sent you that piece by Brian Windors today. Phoenix basically said. Screw the second apron, and if we're gonna we're gonna be over it anyways, might as well be really over it. <laughs> Which I don't know if I necessarily agree with that logic, but that's that was their logic. Uh, and you know, I just was reading 
right before we started this podcast. Something that someone who's in Matt Ishbia's year is one who's familiar to you, Isaiah Thomas, former executive of the New York Knicks, who did really, not have nev- a great tech. Never really a good thing if you have Isaiah Thomas in your ear as an owner. I, you know, <laughs> Nothing good has happened from that. It seems to be that Michigan connection. I don't know how, but we did see Isaiah Thomas sitting courtside next to Ishbia uh, during that those playoff games. And this kind of has like Isaiah Thomas like a feel to it. Like when he took over the Knicks, he just kept adding these players, like high paid uh, salary players with really like no plan about team building and just said, okay, I'm going to get Marbury. I'm going to get Francis. And then I'm going to get Zach Randolph. I'm going to get Eddie Curry. Like the Knicks would just get these guys, but it's like, do they actually make sense as a basketball team? And they didn't. But it seems like Isaiah Thomas has a role there with Ish, uh, with Ishbia. I, I mean, I yeah. The Suns, they're going to have all this offensive firepower, but all these guys are injury prone. They don't have any depth. We're just going to have to see how it works out. But I, the second apron just seems so punitive that I I don't think as a team, I thought it would serve as a hard cap. But Phoenix is really going to be the first test for this. They're basically saying, screw the apron, second apron. We're going to go over it and we'll deal with the penalties. And uh, I think, but anything, any, and, and yeah, I, I just don't know how it's going to work out. But what were you going to say? I, I think, and, and like the biggest thing is, it would be one thing if you were making this deal and bringing in a player that complements your other guys. But what I saw last year in the playoffs is that Devin Booker was incredible, and Kevin Durant offensively was trying to figure out how he fits in around Kevin uh, Devin Booker. He knew he knows it's you know. Kevin Durant, one of the most elite scorers of all time. Devin Booker, obviously also probably going to move into that category by the end of his career. Now you're adding Bradley Beal, who's probably, you know, let's say 10% worse than them offensively, given that Bradley Beal has um, had a track record of having high points per game in his last couple of years with the Wizards. But it's like, you know, if you got if you went out and got this Jimmy Butler type guy who's going to you know, be amazing defensively to try to make up for what and and uh, what uh, Booker and Durant already don't do well. But now they're just tripling down on this whole like, you know, let's just let's just have more offensive players. And it's not like Bradley Beal is a amazing defender. Devin Booker has not been you know is not being in the conversation for all defensive team. Kevin Durant is obviously a good defender when he's able to, but he's also getting older. And so this makes no sense to me. So one, like the team aspect doesn't make sense. And second, it's not like Bradley Beal is like some winner, winner, chicken dinner kind of guy. I mean, this guy's <laughs> drafted in 2012, amazing backcourt with him and John Wall for the first, uh, you know, they came out of the gates running out of his first five years. They made the finals. I mean, they made the playoff four times, making it out of the first round three of those times. But then in the last five years, he's made the playoff one time. And lost, almost been swept by the Sixers in 2020 and 2021. So, like, you know, is this guy really, you know, uh, what you wanted to see, what you needed to see to bring you to the next level? I don't really know. I think it was a shitty trade. I think they might have short-term success, but there's going to be at uh, a a lot of pain for the rest of this decade for the team and the organization. Yeah, I I, I mean, I think Beal just had a great agent, and he's really a number two. Maybe a number three. So I think in that sense, he's on a perfect. He's probably going to be in the right role now, but that contract just does does not justify who he is as a player. 
he put up with these seasons of 30 points per game two years ago but the last two years he's only been at 23 per points per game each of the last two seasons so there's been a drop off I think he's already passed who he was as his prime player more importantly I think he's only playing like 40 games or so a year (laughs) yeah yeah and that too yeah he's not healthy and I think he's kind of reached his peak as a player so the contract just does not justify the production and Phoenix I mean this is classic new owner syndrome but before we we move on anything on this from the Washington end I mean I think the winger and the executives basically are cleaning up the mess from the previous regime you can't really blame them here they don't they didn't have control of setting a bidding war or getting as much as they could given that no trade clause and it just seemed like they were cleaning the mess of the previous regime they got rid of Beal and we're gonna see what happens with Porzingis and Kuzma who have player options but it just seems like this team is ready for a teardown and they're gonna it's gonna start with the draft this week with their number eight pick and then it's really about they got to start hitting on these draft picks which they haven't had much success recently and they're gonna start the rebuild in Washington yeah I think um, you know I, I I understand what that the new regime wanted to come in and start start changing it to their personality with the guys that they want. Um, I think that the Wizards are five years behind in hitting the reset button on this iteration of the team. I'd say probably maybe even three years ago they probably should hit the reset button with Bradley Beal at the helm, and they've made some questionable organizational decisions by then trying to keep you know Brad in in a Wizards uniform. Um, but I think they rushed it a little bit. I think Bradley Beal's, uh, you know, under contract. He's still an attractive player. If the deals weren't there right now, they could have gone into the regular season. And, you know, maybe Beal would have held out because he really wanted to leave. But it didn't seem like he was that type of player where he's not going to show up and play. And so I think they had leverage. Um, so I wonder I if we're missing something. I think the only reason they couldn't, they couldn't wait it's because of that new CBA that kicks July 1st. That's what I was reading. That kicks in July 1st, which we don't have the full details yet. But apparently there might be some things in there that makes this... That would make the trade harder once that kicks in. As opposed to now where we're operating under the old CBA is what I was reading. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess the details would have to come out. But the reality is, could they really have gotten a worse package than they already got? And that's that's really <laughs> yeah, questionable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the advantage of going into the season and this team see how the players they got in the offseason, how they mesh, and then there's they're going to make panic moves or be like, oh, this doesn't work. Let's go ahead and trade for Bradley Beal. And I do think they could have gotten a better package then. But I think at some point, you just have to rip the Band-Aid off and it looks like that's what the Wizards are doing here. And I think it might uh, speak to what they're going to do with, like you said, Kuzma and Porzingis. I mean, I think Porzingis will probably opt in. I think Kuzma is probably going to opt out and... This might just be their the signaling of like, hey, Kuzma opts out. We just think that we're going to hit the hard reset and we'll let him walk. Yep. And then it really is like, what are they going to do with Chris Paul now? Because I think he kind of made out well here because in order to make this trade happen, Phoenix had to guarantee the salary, his full salary of $30 million. And so it's, what are they going to do? Are they going to reroute Chris Paul? Are they just going to buy him out? We're going to find out that pretty soon as well. Um but, you know, I think it's in Washington, they're going to have to now, I think the new rule is you have to spend up to 90% of the salary cap floor. Because I think some teams like the, the San Antonio Spurs this year 
uh, they were not doing that. So you can't just completely get rid of every player. So you're going to have to have some of the higher salary players on your team. Probably whether it's Porzingis. And then if, even if they creep Chris Paul, you got to pay someone. So I think this is just to prevent owners from cheaping out and not pay, like when they're rebuilding and tanking, not paying any players. So I think that's a good initiative, but we'll see what Washington does. And there'll be a dumping ground. I mean, I think there's going to be a bunch of bad contracts that they're going to be willing to pick up with draft picks. I mean, I think that's the savvy thing to do that Detroit did last year, which is just like, you know, take... There may be even more now with the new CBA and the penalties that teams are going to want to move their bad contracts even more now. Yeah, I think they're in a good position. The Wizards aren't going to be making any noise for the next couple of years, but I think that they're positioning themselves well for the future. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you just have to be like, we can't keep going 35 and 47 and trying to play for the 8 seed or the play-in. I think you just have, I think this is a good move. You either have to, the middle ground is the worst place to be. You either have to just tear it down and rebuild or be near the top. So glad they have some direction now. But yeah. uh, let's hit, a, hit, hit on the draft. So it's draft week on Thursday. And I think we, we should hit on a couple of the teams. There's some rumors going around. It's pretty obvious Spurs are picking Wemby. That's not even a question. But let's start at number two. And before the year started, it sounded like it's going to be Wemby and then it's going to be Scoot. But now, because Charlotte got the number two pick and they already have LaMelo, there's a question of should they draft Scoot? Can him and LaMelo play together? Or should they go with Brandon Miller, the prototype wing that everyone is looking for now, and pair him with Scoot, or sorry, with LaMelo. And I think that's a real tough decision for the Hornets. So let's just start with that. As if you're the Hornets here, do you just say, hey, let's draft Scoot, him and LaMelo will figure it out? Or do you pick Brandon Miller, who may be a better team fit for uh, for this, even though Scoot is a better player? Well, really quickly, uh, you know, just talk, let's just talk one second, five seconds on the fact that Michael Jordan is no longer the the majority owner on the team. Um, yep, yep. He's a minority owner now. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a, he was the only black majority owner on the team. So I really do hope that in the next coming years we have another black majority owner because it would be nice to have some diversity in in, in the uh, in the NBA ownership perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll probably be LeBron. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. It's probably gonna be LeBron, but it'll t- that'll take a couple of years. Um, I think from a draft. Like for who the Charlotte Hornets should draft, I think they really need to start taking pay players, not just because of their talent, but of their fit. And so, you know, although I do think Scoot is probably going to be a better player long, long, in the long run, they have to take a hard look at Brandon Miller. I think they have to do that because he fits better with LaMelo. He fits better with the future of the team. And the only thing that I would question is I don't think that Charlotte needs another guy that is an attitude problem or has off-court issues. So I, I'm not the organization, but if I was the organization, I would have a long look at everything that happened while Miller was at Alabama and all the uh, incidents that uh, are kind of plaguing him. And, all, you know, we, we all talk, we've talked about it a couple of times. I don't want to rehash it, but just make sure that yeah, the guy yeah. doesn't have off-court issues that he's going to bring baggage with because they're a new organization with a new majority owner. And they haven't had a lot of success in the last, you know, since the inception of the team, let's be honest. And so they, they just got to pick a guy who's quality character. And if they think LaMelo Ball is at the helm of that, then and, and Brendan Miller doesn't uh, fits that box of quality uh, character, then they should get him. But if they don't, if they have any doubt of his, you know, of his 
personality or character, I think you gotta take Scoot. Yeah, I, 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 that was gonna be my only reservation. It's can you really have a team with Miles Bridges, who is gonna be coming back, and Scoot? I mean, sorry, Miles Bridges and Brandon Miller. That's just <laughs> given everything that happened. It's I, I heard, I read that. The Hornets send a team to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to investigate the situation and to look into it. But from a character standpoint, it's not a great look to have Miles Bridges and Brandon Miller on the same team. And I think that's why I would just take Scoot. You, l- you let them play together. Scoot's a better player. You let Scoot and LaMelo figure it out. If it doesn't, then you could trade one of them. Or and- you open door number three, which is you trade out of the pick altogether. Yes, yes. So that's the other thing. There's now, we have to hit on this, that Hornets, they may be open to trading the pick, but the rumor that's going around is with New Orleans, because New Orleans really wants Scoot. And there's actual noise that maybe they would trade Zion for the number two pick. But it's uh, we also read that the Hornets prefer Brandon Ingram, but the Pelicans don't want to really move off Ingram. But are you surprised that we're here at this point that the Pelicans may be willing to trade Zion? I'm not surprised because it's been a long time since we've seen Zion Williamson play. And, you know, it's more than half the year now. And I think the, 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 the reason why I'm not surprised is that there's so much news around how he has no relationship with the organization. I mean, when they drafted Zion, this was Zion's team. You know, New Orleans was bending over backwards to make him happy. And I think ever since his injury concerns, they have lost that relationship. And it almost kind of reminds me a little bit of the Kawhi Leonard and San Antonio situation, where like the two camps just don't trust each other anymore and don't trust Mm. each other's judgment. And I feel like Zion doesn't trust New Orleans anymore. They, you know, New Orleans just fired his favorite assistant coach. Teresa Witherspoon, yeah. Yeah, and so I think I think there's just a disconnect, and it makes sense to me. You know, we already knew that he was uh, questionable in terms of healthiness and may, maybe for the rest of his career. But on top of that, now he has had some off-court, I wouldn't say issues, but just off-court things that happen to a lot of these high-profile athletes at a young age, or <laughs> some of them at least. And and on top of that, like okay. I think his his camp just doesn't trust trust the New Orleans Pelicans. And so with his large contract that he's going to get get paid and the fact that like New Orleans kind of took a step back this last year, I think it's reasonable for them to try to trade out, especially because I think this is probably you know one of the best drafts that we've we've seen in 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 the last few years yeah i i could see why new orleans is doing it i don't know if it's just a smokescreen or if they're doing it to get it out in public and light a fire under zion being like hey if you don't get your act together we we, we'll trade you like we'll do it uh but i mean he's already got his Back's contract. He already got that last year, so he, he already got that. I, I, I honestly don't know if I'd do it if I was Charlotte, just because Zion's already signed to that max now. So is he going to be motivated to perform? Um, whereas, if you get Scoot or Brandon Miller, they're on that rookie deal, not expensive at all, and you really get to re- build this team organically. Um, because is Lamelo and Zion? While that's really exciting. They'll win the YouTube highlights. They'll win House of Highlights. 
But are they going to win games? And that's that's really the question. And I think if I'm Charlotte, just keep the pick. Whoever you think is a better player between Scoot and Brandon Miller, take them and then move forward. Unless they, unless I, you know, I would say unless Charlotte thinks that by Zion coming back, somehow he would reinvigorate his Duke days. If that's the if that's the guy that they're gonna get, then I'd say do the deal. You know, that that Zion Williamson is probably better than whatever Scoot Henderson we're gonna end up getting. But if they're gonna yeah. get the Zion Williamson I mean, of go, last year, then no dice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go back to his Carolina uh, roots, where he's from South Carolina. I know this is in North Carolina, and I guess they'll just figure it out later. Uh, but that's that's two. Then we got the third pick, the Portland Trailblazers. I think this is another pivot point here. So, if they keep the pick, I think they just take whoever's left between Scoot and Brandon. But the real question is, Dame's been out there this offseason. He's been giving interviews, saying, I want some help now. Uh, to you know, He wants to stay in Portland, but he wants the team to make moves that show him that they're committed to winning, that give him some help now. So, if they just use this pick and draft a, another high-level prospect... That's not a win-now move, but that's good for the team moving forward. And I think it's really going to come to a head now. What do the Blazers do with this pick? Do they trade it or do they just draft who's left? Um, If you're a Blazers, if you're running the Blazers, right, what do you do? Is it is it time to trade Dave now? But the problem is I think they're waiting for him to ask for a trade, and he's just not done that yet. Yeah, I think for me... Um... The thing that is most important is the fact that they are at this crossroads and they have to make a decision. For years, they've been trying to have, well, not years, I'd say since they traded CJ McCollum, they've been trying to have this middle of the ground, are they all in versus are they not to win now? And um, we just talked about Bradley Beal and we're talking about Damian Lillard. These are two guys who've stuck with their small market teams for many years and I've always been a fan of that you know go out there and stick it out with your team try to win with them the difference is that Dame has been able to lead his team to playoff success has these iconic moments and Bradley Beal didn't have that the second thing is that both of them have pretty large contracts um, Dame's obviously being even larger but Dame doesn't have a no trade clause and the last thing is that Dame is out here publicly saying that he wants help. I think the organization just needs to decide whether it's even if there's even help out there that's possible to make them win. I mean, the West is already pretty stacked. And so can they get him enough help for them to win? Because Dame probably only has, you know, let's say maximum another five years of good basketball left in him. Um, and so can they get somebody that's within that timeline that's available right now? And that, that I don't know. You know, if they were able to go out and get like someone to pair with him that's really talented and that's already uh, you know I would say like you know in their late 20s early 30s that makes sense for them to trade the third overall pick especially if what happens is that you know they're really all in on Scoot but Scoot gets taken a second and they're like well we don't really know if Brandon Miller is the guy again question his character then they might say okay like now we're on the clock we've had these teams that want Brandon Miller like let's get it done I can see that. Um, or you just take Brandon Miller and then you got the whole offseason to figure out trade things. Like, it's not like the value is going to go away. People are still going to want him. 
My personal opinion is I think that the Blazers probably it's time to move on from Dame if I was the organization. I think that they just don't have the current ability with the guys they have under contract and the assets that they have besides the number 3 pick to be able to put a team around Dame that is going to win. I think that that year that they went to the Western Conference Finals um was their year and it was amazing and it was Cinderella story. But I think it's probably time for for both for both both the player and the organization to part ways. Dame deserves to win, and I don't think that the team is going to be able to put that together for him right now. And the organization deserves to try to have a chance at winning it all um, post Dame. So that's my, that's my personal opinion. Is they should probably trade it. Yeah, I, I I think it's similar to the Beal situation where the franchise just realized at some point you have to move on. Dame's trade value right now is still pretty high. Um, he has that contract with those really scary numbers. I think the last year's is sixty million year contract. Uh, but Miami's interested. You know, we know that for sure. Um, they could probably start a bidding war. I'm sure the other teams get into it. Maximizes value right now. He's healthy. and he just came off a great year till they shut him down at the end of the year and i think it's really at some point you just have to learn that this team is maxed out um they had the dame and cj years they got and then they realized that wasn't working they got rid of cj and then they tried this other version they said oh let's get some better defenders around him like jeremy grant and then that that really hasn't yielded any better results so maximize what you can get for dame now and then You have the number three pick. You'll get a great prospect there, and really start this rebuild. Um, I don't think the move is to try to trade the three third pick. I don't know what players there that's going to really elevate this to a championship team. Um, and I don't know if Simons is going to get you a, that player either by trading him. And so I think they already they already have Simons. They'll have the number three pick. Get some more picks for Dame. And then start the rebuild, and then see if maybe someone's willing to take Nurkic um, and that bad contract. And I think that's really the move for Portland here. Uh, it sucks when you have to trade a franchise player, especially someone who's had a legendary career like Dame. I mean, this guy's had playoff series walk-off shots, which not many people have, and he has two of them. Uh, but you just have to move on at some point. And I think it's the right thing for Dame too. I know he loves Portland. He's got his whole family up there. But if he's really serious about winning, and now that he's got his he's got his money, he's got his all stars, he's got his all NBA's. The only thing really left is that championship. I think it's time for him to move on, and I think Miami is a great fit for him. Really, if they can keep Jimmy and Bam, and you know they'll probably trade Hero and Robinson. But Dame, Jimmy, and Bam is a great three. The East is not that strong right now. And I think that's really where he should be looking to go. I totally agree with you. Um, I think the the draft is in just a couple of days now. I think the NBA should have a lot of changes between now and then, partially because some teams have a lot of draft picks, and many of them will either try to move up on the draft or move down in the draft. I think it's going to be an exciting draft as we're seeing in the NBA with all of the teams having traded picks. You're seeing like the. The dichotomy of like the draft rich teams and the draft poor teams, in the sense that like how many assets you can have, but you can only fit 15 men on the roster, 12 on the active, and so 
uh, these these teams are going to have to finagle some way to to, to get all these guys uh, playing. And we saw something amazing with uh, Denver essentially pulling a draft pick away from um, from from OKC to help them out in the future. So I want to see more of that savviness from all the teams. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, and I, I think we're going to have this unbelievable amount of player movement. Maybe not big players, but a lot of movement because of teams trying to get under the second day for it or try to avoid it, avoid the luxury tax. And the, for the teams that have so many picks that they need to consolidate now, there's going to be a plenty of movement. I can't wait. It's going to start with the draft this Thursday, and then we head to the offseason starting on June 30th at 6 p.m. It's going to be an exciting time. Yeah, and we're, we're finally going to see who the next Taco Bell uh, Taco Bell draftee that's going to win the the championship and you know let's say another five years will be this this Thursday <laughs> I can't wait for that but yeah man it's been some time since we potted but I'm glad we did this and uh, I can't wait I think we will try to do us maybe some sort of pod between the post draft if schedules permit um, and before the off season for a preview but I can't wait alright man have a good one alright see ya I want to give a shout out to our producer, Sandeep. Without him, this podcast would not be possible. If you want to get the latest news on the podcast and to support us, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BSJPod. You can also find all our episodes uploaded onto our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thanks for tuning in.